This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to VoiceCon. I'm extremely excited about this. Uh, When I think about what the team has done to get us here, uh, I'm I'm just very proud. And so obviously, when VaynerMedia and VaynerX in general decided to start putting on events uh, in 2018, we thought a lot about the IP or the places we wanted to play. And so before I go into this, I just want to give a huge shout out to Kim and Emma and the rest of the Vayner Experience team and everybody at Vayner. I'd love for you to clap it up for them. You know, one of the things that's interesting about you know, having an event be your event versus what I normally do, which is fly in and, and speak and give a keynote, is you, you know being a host is definitely different than being a guest or a, a special guest. And so I gave a lot of thought to the rest of the lineup. As, as this was being built out, uh, I was just overwhelmed and impressed with who we were able to get lined up for this event. And so to try to reverse engineer why you're here and think about the value that I can bring in the lineup, I think that respecting your audience uh, is always the most important part to create success. As a matter of fact, probably as a quick side note, the most interesting thing for me in the voice space is that we have not established kind of the UI and the UX and the interface of how we're gonna interact with these things as they become dramatically more sophisticated. That comes along with empathy and respect for the end user. You being at this conference all day, the empathy and respect I have for you is that we have a very detailed curriculum and lineup at this event where I think a lot of people are gonna nerd it out. And so, I'm not gonna nerd it out. I'm gonna go in a little bit of a different direction. I wanna set up the framework of why this event even exists and why for many of you, if you follow me in any shape or form, are hearing me pontificate and, and push and prop, propaganda this space. It comes down to, it was interesting, Matt Guerin, who's gonna do a great job after me here uh, from Vayner, asked me literally, or Kim just asked me, or Matt just asked me actually. He said, what are you gonna talk about? I looked at him like, I have no fucking idea. Um, and, and it was really interesting because the reality is I don't, but I, but I, but I do. And, and I do because of the following. In my you know, career at this point in my life, it's been interesting to watch pattern recognition. As I was sitting back there getting ready for this talk, the only feeling and kind of thought and vibe that I had was very similar to the vibe I had the first time I was sitting in front of seven liquor store owners. My dad's liquor store was part of a co-op where there were other owners uh, and they all kind of owned shoppers discount liquors. They were independent but they were buying an advertising co-op. And I remember going to a meeting uh, in 1996 where I was gonna let them know that I was starting a website. And um, we're in this meeting and I'm like, yeah, we're gonna launch this thing and we're gonna call it winelibrary.com which was already a little weird because we were shoppers discount liquors. And I just remember the enormous scrutiny and almost disrespect through everybody's faces because basically what the energy of that room told me is that nobody's gonna buy wine from this internet thing. I, I genuinely believe that more than half that room had no idea what the internet was, right? And so, when I sit here today, and this is a pretty fancy you know, event, meaning not only are the speakers pretty educated and far along with technology and business, but so is the audience itself. And I've been thinking a lot, I'm like, huh, it's really quite interesting that nobody in this room, including myself, actually fully understands how deep this is gonna go. And here's what I mean by that. I think it's very hard for us in this room at this moment, at this apex of text messaging and mobile addiction, I think it's hard for us to understand that there's a high likelihood that in 10 years that so many of you are gonna give up on texting for voice AI devices. It's just hard to make the leap 
that what you've now become completely foundationally living on as your execution of communication as a platform is going to be disrupted. No different, you know it's funny, I love when young becomes old. I love that there's so many people in here that I know and so many of my friends that are now in their 30s, 40s, 50s who were such thought leaders 20 years ago, 25 years ago about digital and social and the internet itself who now are gonna struggle with this transition, who don't think they're gonna stop texting in the same way that they made fun of people who didn't think they were gonna text a decade ago. And so I think for everybody here, I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs here and a lot of Fortune 500s here. And I think the theme for me is you're about to hear a lot of incredible data, right? When you, you know, depending on the study you look at, when you look at 50 to 100 million devices in home already, you know, AI voice devices in the marketplace, when you think about how many more that's going to be in the next 12 to 24 months, but more importantly, for the people that are advanced in their technology thinking, when you know in a half decade it's not even gonna be those devices and it's gonna be integrated into every single product in our lives, including when your shower head is voice activated and you remember something that you need to do and you just tell somebody you're gonna be 10 minutes late or what's my meeting tonight at seven. I don't think that we have quantified our unbelievable addiction for speed. Everything that happens, pretty much I'm a simple guy. I talk a lot about day trading attention. A lot of it is just predicated on the fact that you guys hate friction. That we as a society give up everything. Privacy, we will give up privacy all day to win back three minutes. We just love speed. We subconsciously understand that time, you know, you hear that saying time is, right? We subconsciously deeply understand that. To me, it was really fascinating early on to see Uber succeed watching Travis navigate that business and later as an early investor, what struck me so early on is like, these people can't afford it. I was looking at some of the data, I'm like, they can't afford it. Why are they taking these $28, right? They can't afford it. And what you just start realizing is convenience is king. I grew up in retail. Convenience is king is super duper real. There is nothing more convenient than voice infrastructure around us. Period. This space is going to win and it's going to win in a big game and in a big way. This space is also unbelievably fascinating because it is not visual. Let me explain to you why this matters. I'm gonna paint you a scenario. When you think about the search engine wars of the early 2000s, even when Google won and became a real dominant force and they started having an ad product and people started freaking out how powerful search engines were when somebody would type in Coca-Cola and Pepsi had the ability to have an ad, even to this day, in the small screen of a mobile device, even when somebody buys your category or your brand as an ad, you're still showing up organically in the UI of the visual. And if I'm typing in Reebok, even though there may be a Nike ad, if my intent was Reebok, and even though I might be seduced for a second by that Nike ad, my intent going in was still that, and I have the ability to buy that. What's fascinating to me is we do not have that luxury in voice. What's fascinating to me about voice is the players that win this game, Amazon, Google, Apple, Facebook, I assume has to be doing something secretly in some fucking secret warehouse. <laughs> and anybody else that we can't see, whether it's a China-based Tencent or somebody else or something else that is just two, two 18-year-old gals right now in Tennessee who have an idea and are able to put it together and get there, whoever it's going to be, they're gonna have remarkable, and I mean remarkable leverage. To me, the internet is the foundation of our society, and then you've got four to seven internet companies that are layers on top of that, and then for every one of us here, our job is to be the next layer above that. These toll booths, Google, Amazon, Apple, Invoice, are set to make so much more money and have so much more power. It's also why for the people, how many people here run or think they have a brand? Raise your hands. So this is super important to me. In the internet age, we have had incredibly fascinating confusion between selling and branding. I listen to people every day talk about business and they don't realize that they're just salespeople but they're talking like they're marketing or branding. What they care about is CAC and LTV and last touch attribution and really just hacking 
Math-based marketing, which I'm a huge fan of. I just think it's half of the equation. I think the art and the creative is the other half, and I've spent the last decade being fascinated by you know, Wall Street and Madison Avenue just being completely based on subjective art and bullshit reporting, and then Silicon Valley being disproportionately addicted to math and not realizing that that eventually runs out and that becomes their vulnerability. To me, the thing that I'm probably most passionate about with voice is the fact that brand has never become more important. Every single person here is going to buy an obnoxious amount of products, goods, and services on a voice device in a decade. And I mean most of it. When that happens, you will start realizing why things like Kleenex and Xerox and Uber were the most important plays. If you do not start the process right now of branding Chips Ahoy over cookies, What's going to happen is we're just gonna say, Alexa or Google, send me some chocolate chip cookies. And our battle is going to be, Alexa, send me some chips ahoy. Because I promise you, because Amazon is a fucking gangster. If you say chips ahoy, you've gotta get those. But if you say cookies, you're getting Amazon's private label and or Mondelez in that scenario is paying a quadrillion dollars. You know, I laugh when I meet with my CPG clients. They com- you know, they're, they're concerned about the amount of money they have to pour into trade. And for the entrepreneurs in this room, that means good end caps at Walmart when you walk in and how much they extract or when they're on deal, they have to subsidize the coupon price. That's gonna be child's play compared to being the default product when somebody asks for a category product. When you ask for jeans, how much is Calvin Klein or Levi's gonna have to pay to be that product versus the margin that Amazon makes in having their own private label versus Google going out and buying Levi's and owning it and making that the default. My friends, I think the Amazon purchase of Whole Foods was a watershed moment that finally got people to understand that this is just starting. That these companies have a lot of leverage. When Target sells to Amazon or Facebook or Google, people are gonna start waking up to what's happening. And the thing that's fascinating to me is that voice, in a lot of ways, has that parallel impact. I do not not think people understand how much voice is gonna affect the entire restaurant industry. There is no Open Table or Resi or things like that or Yelp, there's voice. And the smarts is something I think a lot of people are gonna struggle with. How many people here saw the Google presentation with the assistant making the resume? Just raise it high. What do you think that technology looks like in seven years? Right? I mean, this shit is getting continuously smarter. The other thing that fascinates me is the things we think we don't want versus the things we do want. I think that most people, when the propaganda goes against voice devices listening to you, people are gonna talk about that's scary, that's bullshit, I'm not gonna have one, privacy, yet I think nine out of 10 of you are not actually gonna care about that. And I think that, so I think that watching the counter arguments of what's going on is super fascinating because I think we grossly underestimate how we actually work and how psychology is actually wired. I think we are in the early stages and so for me, being laughed at for website in 96 or being completely looked upon, you know, as I sit here today, the other feeling I have is the feeling I had in November 2005 when I decided that I was gonna start a YouTube show after the holidays for my wine show and, and that YouTube literally did not have a video yet, that there was not a single video on YouTube that had a million views. It was a baby and I watched my entire 100 person staff at Wine Library in February of 2006 think that I lost my complete mind. That I went from working hard and doing my thing and buying and meeting and you know, tasting and doing this and now all of a sudden I was locked up in my office filming this thing, trying to get people to watch this show on YouTube. And so that, and then obviously investing very deeply and probably the biggest parallel for me about this conference and, for, and the biggest feeling I had backstage, which is the conference that completely changed my life was FOA in 2007. There was a conference in February 2007 in London. It was called FOA. Ryan Carson put it on. It was called The Future of Web Apps. And I remember, it was, I went to it, and I remember just sitting there and listening to the presentations, 
And I remember thinking that my life was gonna be different from here on out. That I fully understood that this internet thing that helped grow my family business and sell stuff was just starting. You know, obviously when you're impacted, and I would say the biggest fear I have here, how many people here feel that they've been positively, professionally impacted by the internet or social media? Raise your hands. It's my biggest, uh, yeah, it's such a, you know, it's my biggest fear because that's what happened to me. In 2007, I'm walking in and I'd made it, right? I built this business, I'd made it, and I remember, luckily, in that conference, I realized, I didn't make shit. Like, this is just starting. This is, this is not even the, forget about the national anthem in this game. I haven't even left the home yet to get to the parking lot to tailgate. This is just starting. And it really switched for me and made a totally different commitment to this device and more importantly to Twitter and Facebook which obviously changed the path of my career. My big hope today through the details of the panels and the keynotes and through the Q&A that I wanna serve up here in about 10 minutes where we can go detailed and I'd love to answer any of your questions of what I see or what we're seeing or how it's going um, is that this becomes the watershed moment. The reason I wanted to do VoiceCon is not since social media 2005-06 and not since internet 94-95 had I felt the chemicals in my body that have dictated my career which is I know what you're gonna do before you know you're gonna do it. And I know that everybody here is underestimating how voice is about to change their lives and how that affects you as a human and how that affects you personally and how that affects you professionally is something that I want you to really ponder. Please, please don't be like a lot of my homies that came to those social media conferences with me in 2006 and seven and didn't fully see it and now talk to me 10 years later and regret not squeezing harder or betting harder or being in it harder because they knew it, they saw it, but they were too passive and or they underestimated how big it was going to be. To me, in the same way that social has clearly changed not only business, but politics and psychology of our end user and just who we are as human beings, voice is gonna have that same ability. You know, it's crazy. How many people here have children under eight? The education they have around their interests because of, you know, I mean, it's crazy. Like, like the knowledge a five-year-old has around information that they're interested in when they can't read or write yet is fascinating. I mean, for everybody who just raised their hand, your kids know so much about something that they could have never known because they would have had to read it. And now they've got it in their head at scale, on demand, always, when they need it. And what that's gonna do for us is remarkable. You're gonna be in meeting, by the way, this is the death of bets. You know like the random bet, like you get into an argument with your buddy and like you're trying to figure out who's right, how many touchdowns they scored or how many square footages or what it is? You're just gonna get the answer and once, it's not, you know, it's because you're, you'll never believe how lazy we are. That's what I thought the mobile device was gonna do, but you still don't wanna grab it and Google it. You'd rather literally fucking debate it for another hour. Because <laughs> it is fun and we'll always keep those human elements, but man, I'm gonna tell you something. The passive nature, the ambience of voice, the complete zero friction. This is still friction. As crazy as it sounds, grabbing it and doing something is still friction. This is not. And so, for me, this conference is unbelievably selfish. I'm being very frank. This is an unbelievably selfish conference because I'm very excited that our company gets to put a flag in the ground in this space. I believe that so many of you are on the verge of disproportionately impacting your business because of this space. And I think that there's a lot of things we need to think about. How many people here own or a a very senior executive of a business? Great. I bet you that you've never thought about what your business sounds like. Like sitting here and realizing, oh shit, I'm gonna have to have a conversation with my dad, Sasha, about what's the voice of Wine Library sound like is a pretty exciting kind of conversation just out of humor for me as a human. 
But I think it's very important, especially, you know, it's, it's just something we don't think about. It's something that we could have never thought about. In the same way that we could have never thought about how important a logo was for social or things of that nature, or your tagline or things of that nature, you know, how unbelievably important over the next decade or two what your brand sounds like is actually going to be a variable of success. Is it a male voice? Is it a female voice? Is it a mix? What's the slang? The sound of your brand. Something none of us could have ever saw coming. So, the other thing I wanna touch on is that there's a lot of people in here who have an advantage that voice is about to collapse. For example, I think the biggest stakes being played out right now with voice are for Google. Google makes a lot of money on search. A lot. I think that search is on call right now because of the voice space. Obviously we'll continue to do visual. Obviously you'll be on a plane in other places, but I think the amount of search, because a lot of the percentage of search is search to action. And the fact that voice can do that passively. Guys, I'll just, I'm bouncing here a little bit, but just voice to action. You know, the thing that I'm most excited about for voice is the fact that my calendar is gonna be hooked up to it and so are all the other busy people that I know and instead of going through and wasting 28 minutes or five hours of my admin and my own time to try to schedule an important meeting over and over, if I just say I wanna have a meeting with XYZ person, you know, and the fact that the device is gonna be able to look at my calendar and that calendar and actually tell both of us at that moment that actually even though that you're both executives in New York, the prime time for you guys to actually meet is in Houston between one and three because you both have downtime is just remarkable. And just a simple little execution of what's going to save us time. But technology has always saved us time and made us more efficient. I was telling my buddy the other day, I was having a conversation, it was wild. How many how many people here are over the age of uh, 35? Raise your hands. Perfect. So youngsters, you gotta hear this. Back when we were kids, <laughs> if you wanted to meet your friend somewhere in public, it went down like this. You'd have to tell them in school that day that you were meeting at 4.15 and you had to meet by the big water fountain at the fucking mall. <laughs> but here's where it gets gnarly. If for some weird reason your mom was running late and you got there at 425, there was a 50-50 chance that the person gave up and you never saw them. It's just remarkable how in a very short period of time that seems ludicrous because of this. And the biggest framework that I'm looking for everybody to come away with this is to dream and imagine and project how big of a deal voice is going to be. For example, when I was in Seattle, there's a startup working on the number one pain point, like literally Vayner Media, Vayner X, could go out of business because of the following thing. It takes us 17 minutes in the beginning of a meeting to get our fucking PowerPoint up on the fucking screen. <laughs> I mean, there may not be a shittier product on earth than Apple AirPlay, right? It just doesn't work. And we keep thinking it does, but it doesn't. <laughs> They're working on the fact of an app that you literally walk into your office and just say, Alexa, put up the PowerPoint, and it's done. Yeah, I was so pumped. So, so <laughs> Time, time will always win. Besides health, time is the thing we value. Money comes behind that. If you do not understand that, you will underestimate this space. What audio is about to do to our society is create time. The reason podcasts have exploded in the last half decade is because with technology, we can passively listen to them and do something else. The reason my podcast viewership is stabilizing, but my, excuse me, my video blog is stabilizing, but my podcast is growing, is so much of my fan base over time migrates after a couple of months once they get the visuals down and they go to the audio because they can listen to it in any way, any time. Next year, every single, BMW, Lexus, all integrating into your car, these devices, it's so funny. The great fear of my life as a parent was like shit. Texting and driving is scary, right? Like we demonize drinking and driving. Texting and driving is just like, unfortunately has killed an enormous amount of people. 
The fact that we're, like, the age that my kids are are never gonna get to that world because we're not gonna text and drive because in the next seven years, five years, 10 years, we're just gonna talk and drive. Like, you're just not gonna need it. It's just not gonna happen. It's remarkable how fast you know, I talk a lot about, okay, now that we have the foundation of this technology, the speed and how these things turn is gonna be remarkable. It just is. And so, I really, really, really hope the biggest thing you get out of this conference, and you can even tell by my demeanor, it's interesting, I'm even just like auditing myself right now. You know, the, the hyperbole and the showmanship and the excitement that I t- tend to bring to stage is muted this morning because I'm focused. I'm like, fuck, man. Like, I'm kind of in the mindset of like, motherfuckers, do you understand what's happening here? <laughs> and like, the thing that I love about technology is so many of you regret missing out on, fuck, I jumped on Instagram late, or I wish I was on Twitter, or I screwed up, I should have started a podcast, or God damn it, I wish I had an e-commerce site. What's amazing about this game is that if you win the next thing, you make up for all the losses of the past. It's true. All the regrets you may have of the last 20 years of not moving fast enough or not establishing your agency in that category or whatever it may be, literally become irrelevant if you can nail this. But please understand one thing. Not only has foresight and intuition driven me, but the biggest thing that has driven me over the last 25 years absolutely is practicality. I am not ideological about voice. I would be thrilled to post this keynote in seven years on whatever we're consuming with the headline of, remember when I totally fucked that up? I have no emotion to this space. What that means is there's a lot of people here that are gonna wanna build their first skill on Google and Amazon after the end of the day and I want you to be very thoughtful about where your business is right now. If you're a Fortune 500 company, that makes sense to me because you can afford it and you need to bring that DNA into your company yesterday so that the executives don't go out and waste money on just random shit over the next two years and so the education in the building is established. But if you're a startup or a one-woman show in here, if that's taking time and money out of other things, please recognize the size of the audience is still very early. Yes, there's a lot of devices in the marketplace, but most people are just listening to music, right? So the thing that I please implore you is, I jumped in heavy in social in 2005, 2006, but it wasn't driving the retail sales for Wine Library. I wasn't putting out a tweet and selling 100 cases on winelibrary.com. There were other things still doing that. I knew by 2010, 11, 12, that this would have an impact on my business. And so I was fully committed because I was running the marathon of a culture change, not trying to get the gold rush of the first mover. I am very fearful, very fearful, that people leave this day today and go home and get really unpractical and think this is some sort of like gold rush or drilling oil and it's gonna be eureka. I do not expect a single person here to have a skill that they make that changes everything within this first year because I just don't see the consumer behavior mapping to that just yet. But I will say this, it just takes one killer app. It just takes one killer app. There's somebody right now fishing up an idea to build on top of one of these devices. And guys, don't get it twisted. These devices and the technology is this. When this came out, people grossly underestimated, even when they were hyped about apps, I don't think they fully understood that the apps that were built on this were gonna be worth the money and impact the world the way they did. Waze, Spotify. Guys, WhatsApp is an app. It's called WhatsApp, you know? It sold for $19 billion, right? It's foundational to what Facebook does. Snapchat, these are publicly traded, Uber, they're apps. Please understand that the devices are gonna have apps on top of them. That's going to be the game changer. That's the marketplace that Amazon, Google, Apple, and everybody else is gonna try to build. That is the thing that you're gonna try to build to change the trajectory of your career, or, for a lot of you, that is gonna be the things you market on top of to build awareness or to create conversion for what you're up to. And so, if you think about it, Think about listening to a podcast, right? How many people here are actively listening to podcasts? Great. 
As you know, a lot of podcasts are trying to monetize and they do ads and live reads, right? There's gonna be a very different thing when you're consuming an app or skill on a device where there's an ad and your ability to just say buy this then creates a transaction. How many people here have had something show up to their house from Amazon because their under 12 year old bought it on Alexa? Somebody sent me an email the other day and was like, dude, I love you for this VoiceCon, good luck at VoiceCon, I love voice, but motherfucker, I had a 40-foot blow-up castle show up to my house today. <laughs> Can you tell them to get their shit together? <laughs> it's very likely that this is the technology that's gonna have the biggest impact on your life. So, I applaud you for being here, I really do because what you're doing is what I did in 2007 when I flew to London. You see it, you intuitively understand it. I think the lineup that you're gonna see today is gonna get deep into the data. You can bring out your pads and take notes. What I want you to do, and, what I, and I, now I'll go into the details and thrilled to go back into the dirt and get out of the clouds right now, and, and I'm about to do Q&A, so I've, where are the runners? Got it, great, okay, awesome. So please raise your hand when, when, when you have questions as soon as I wrap up here, but please understand this. Underestimating this movement comes in two forms. One, you're gonna have regret. I'm just gonna wake up in 20 years and be like, fuck, I went to VoiceCon and I still didn't do shit about it. Or it's gonna come in the form of massive disruption to the things that are working for you now. If your business is built on top of search or what search is doing for you, you're about to get very vulnerable over the next decade. And so I highly recommend you take this shift very serious and start learning and start tasting. And to give you an insight to what clearly worked in 2005 to 2008 for many people, this is about tasting it. This is about, if you believe in this, you need to have a device in every room in your home. If you believe in this, you need to hire a developer or rent a developer or even figure out how to develop yourself and create a very basic skill or app calling on top of these devices. Download other people's skills. Get used to it so you can taste it. You'll be brushing your teeth, listening to your device and realize, wait a minute, what that person just did for jumping rope, I can do for my SaaS internet company. You have to taste in these early days because it's no different than when you discover a new land, right? Like when people settle new worlds, like they get off the fucking boat back in the day and they see a bush with some fruit on it that they've never seen before and the head person goes, you go eat it. <laughs> and it's either a fucking raspberry and it's delicious for the rest of the time or the fucker dies. <laughs> but you gotta taste it. And so either you're gonna fucking build a raspberry or you're gonna fucking die. <laughs> but it's better than not trying at all. So thank you for being here. I hope you have a wonderful day and I'm fired up. Q&A, who's got a question? Great, take it away runners. Okay, right here. First one, all right. Let's stand up. Very tall so, man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. You're good. Um, so, uh, we, Obviously, you're talking about a lot of the consumer market, right? Yes. Because it's easy to just say, buy me this and, and that and that. Um, what do you see in other businesses? Let's like B2B? Say, yeah, B2B, services, what, whatever there is. Um, it, it, yeah. Well, let's talk about VaynerMedia's ambition. I, we sent, in a, we sent a, uh, a dot to all of our clients last year where we recorded 180 employees' voices, molded them together and created VaynerMedia's voice. And every day, we, our ambition is to give them a marketing tip, which as you can imagine, if you're a CMO or a senior executive, if once, we know that they're not doing it yet, we may have one or two clients doing it, but we're getting our patterns right. In three years, if you're a service provider, right, the fact that if you can penetrate and I think B2B is always best because you know the 200 or 800, but you don't need consumer success of millions. If you could have your 800 biggest potential clients or most important clients hear your company every morning for a minute 
with a tip about the industry, not you being QVC, you being BBC. Do you understand? You have to bring them value. Did you know, or like, have you seen this trend? Not in your self-interest, not like VaynerMedia only pushing you know, social media and, and the person feels it's propaganda. No, it's bringing them value. Do you understand what's happening at retail, or have you seen this trend, or this stock price is up and this is how it's affecting your business, or this competitor's private equity firm just sold, or giving them value. Guys, it's always value. It's always been about value. The far majority of you like me because I'm giving you value with nothing in the expectation of return. It's not super complicated. The one who brings more value has the leverage. So I think B2B is incredibly interesting. I just thought about that. Well, I'm, uh, we have an IT service company, so for example, even in the morning, uh, I knew that there is some stupid Windows update, you know, fucking servers up, and I tell them like, be careful about this, and yeah. Always value comes in, and and it's also surprise and delight, right? Um, we're, let, let's just play this out. You're giving them value of information, value of information, and then randomly you throw throw them a curveball on a Tuesday, April 13th. That's like, hey, and today there's you know we're giving one month extra free service or, or free this or a free ticket to VoiceCon or whatever, you know, just to keep them interested, right? Yeah, a creative. You know, one of the things I'm most excited about in the advertising world is that there's a lot of copywriters right now who write copy for videos, but she or he is not unbelievably passionate about that, yet she doesn't even realize she's two years away for writing copy for long-form skills where we go down a path and spend six hours playing Zelda only through voice. And what technology always does is it brings us back, right? Us knowing everything about each other and us PRing to each other on social media is just back to the way we used to do it in a village. We knew everything about everybody. You know, we grew up interacting, grew up, let me rephrase. We, in the 20s, 30s, and 40s in this country and all over the world, heavily interacted with voice. We, soap operas started as radio shows. Like, I don't think people realize that gaming is gonna be done through voice because you're gonna be able to play. You know how imaginative that's gonna be? You know what happens when you eliminate the visual? Uh, some of you remember playing like that. I did all kinds of imagination gaming just outside, like playing warriors and just like doing dumb shit. Like, you're gonna be able to do that now. So, you know, there's, the reason I'm bringing it up is we have to be creative. We have to establish those cadence. Hey, Gary, it's Jim Meskim in the Impressionist. We met in L.A. I remember. How are you, man? such a big fan. I'm here with my, with my wife. You've got a great mom. Jim, what, what's your YouTube? Because I think really people need to go see this because your think shit's so really too. good. I think so, Go too. ahead. Throw the right it's hook. Jim Meskim, or if you look up Jim Impressions, because I do celebrity Jim, voices, different really things. Anyway, that's not why I'm here. Not why I'm here. <laughs> but, uh, Gary, you've got a great mom. I've got a great mom. Uh, I wonder, my question... To phrase this as a question, I know you were so busy, you were such an entrepreneur, such a busy kid. Did you ever watch Happy Days? Oh, sure. Okay. Well, my mom is Marion Ross of Happy Days, who played Mrs. C. She has a book. She made a special inscription just for you, and I want you to read it, because it'll make everybody laugh. Can I bring it to you? You can bring it to me. Here you go. I fucking loved Happy Days. <laughs> super pumped right now. It's amazing, Check man. To Gary V. I'm so, uh, I'm 80 fucking nine, and, I, <laughs> and I'm still crushing it. That's amazing. That's Dude, up. thank you so much, it's amazing. Amazing. Next, that's amazing, thank you brother. Yep, stand up. Uh, how you doing Gary? Very we good. met at the uh, wine tasting event uh, in Jersey. Remember. Yeah, uh, well one of the things I think uh, a lot of businesses are going to be worrying is about security, convenience yep. versus security. Yep. So the question is, how do you convince a business to be more flexible and to relax on their security policy or maybe adjust their security policy in order to look into voice? My point of view on this is the word convince scares the shit out of me. I've spent my whole career talking about stuff that most people don't believe at the time that I start talking about it. And I have found through the last 25 years that I'm way better off just continuing to talk about it 
and not convincing people, but letting the market force them into my world. You would be way better off if you decide to do something here to go to everybody and focus on the three people of 418 that do it with you and do it amazing for them than to sit there and try to convince people that are never gonna go there. Convincing the unconvincible is just a terrible strategy that I see so many people spending their time with. I mean, I sometimes go into a pitch and I'm fundamentally checked out within the first 10 minutes. I'm like, this is over. Like, we're here to check a box that they wanted somebody innovative to be here. They're out. And I'm like, and what's crazy is I'm not like fucking, like, I'm not mad at, it's business. I signed up for this. I just am not emotional about convincing people. I am thrilled to just stay alive until it happens and then look at them and say, fucking told you, dick. You know? Thank you. You got it. Questions? I have a company, uh, I manufacture carbon composite parts and metal parts. Okay. Uh, a lot of the parts are confidential. Okay. How could I um, put that in voice or even on just regular social media? Well, you can't, it's confidential. Well, I get it. But how, how could I um, advertise a, my company in, uh, I don't know. How do you build awareness to get more business? Correct, correct. Who, who are you trying to get? Um, right now we're doing some stuff with, the aer- with aerospace companies and um, basically more people that are doing carbon composite parts um, and that's pretty much it. So what I would tell you is that you probably need to make videos, white papers, and long form written posts on LinkedIn that are titled directly for your industry. Okay. You know what I mean? Like six things that people in this space don't know. You, you need to build up thought leadership. So, I mean, you know, I vlog my day every day. Vayner produces content at scale. I produce even more content, but I have clients and we can't share all that confidential stuff. And so we navigate around it. So inst- I don't dwell on what I can't show, which I would, listen, for a lot of the way I talk about stuff, I would. I mean, I'm desperate to show you how much of this shit is actually working for companies, but I can't, right? So I don't dwell on that. I just focus on creating thought leadership, which creates gateways to opportunities. You need to be putting out written word, audio, and video pieces of content, most likely in a LinkedIn environment, in my opinion, okay. especially because post-Cambridge Analytica, you can't target based on you know employees of, which you know a lot of you know I pontificated about for years, and it worked, and now it's gone, and so I told you, you know, that thing. So, um, so I, would do, I would do that. Thank you. But when you make the content, remember I said it, don't make it about you. Everybody goes on LinkedIn or like, I've watched people take my advice and they go on and they basically write a press release. You have to make pretend you're not the retailer or the company, you have to make pretend you're the media company. So for example, is there a B2B magazine that, you're in, that the targets that you're trying to reach have in their industry? You need to think like them because you have to put out articles that are valuable for that decision maker, maybe even outside of your own service. Right, like, like we don't do shopper marketing at Vayner heavily, but I might write a shopper marketing thought piece leadership thing, which is like shopper marketing's bullshit, it's just another way to say trade, and that may bring awareness to me and my company, which then may lead to them using our e-commerce services. Got it? If you don't bring value to them, you've lost, and when you guys all think about the skill, you should hear the first thousand skills that have been pitched to me. They're fucking garbage. Right, I've talked to big companies, they're like, Gary, we'll make a skill about the history of our company. I'm like, nobody gives a fuck about the history of your company. You care about the history of your company. Nobody gives a shit that Uncle Thompson fucking started the airline in 1912. They care about like, is there traffic to the airport and like, did you stop them from wasting time? Or like, like you know, so think of, always think about them. It's why I push empathy so much. Once you deploy it, and once it becomes your strategy, you win. You become actually consumer-centric. Everybody talks about giving a fuck about the customer. Nobody shows me in their actions that truth. You care about your bottom line financially, and it shows. So don't make the same mistake you've made in digital on voice. That will be your breakthrough. Questions? Uh, an interview from Toronto, just contact you. Angel VC stuff. In the- I remember. So, I uh, guess, what do you think that angels and VCs don't necessarily understand about the voice space? Or what's to come? 
Um, I, you know, it's funny, if they've been, I think if you have a consumer-centric VC who got to live through app culture, she and he are gonna be very smart because the pattern's very obvious. You know, I, you know, so I don't know what they don't or do know. You know, I think that uh, the biggest issue probably for a lot of people is that as we try to figure out the UI and UX of how voice works, I think we're gonna bet on a lot of founders who have theories but we don't know that they have the practitional skill set to navigate through this world, so there'll be some guessing going on, but the truth is I'm not sure. I mean, I think, to be very frank, and we've talked about this in person, the VC game is kind of interesting, right? If you're a VC, it's in your vested interest right now, if you believe in this space, to go invest in 31 companies, push them all real hard to become the Facebook, knowing that 30 of them are gonna die because you're pushing them too hard and you just need one of them to get through to pay back your entire fund. Mm. That's VC. That's good. Yes. Good morning, Gary. Hey. I'm Dr. Joella. How are you? I'm, good, I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. Really excited to talk to you. I'm really excited to be with everybody here. Thank you. Um, I am an injury prevention specialist and a sports chiropractor, and I'm going to go from treating patients to going online. So I wanted to know how you would imagine a Lexus skill for injury prevention. You know, I think, look, I mean, the question is, do you feel that you can articulate, and this is a question for all of you, and so I appreciate the question, doctor, because I think it's going to help a lot of you. Do you feel that you can transfer knowledge that then helps the other person on the other end through voice. My belief is what you're doing is pr probably for some people that have a good sense of their, like, you know, I've been working out with trainers every day for four years and I still call every one of my muscles the wrong fucking thing. Right. Right? They just keep laughing at me. I just can't fucking grasp it. I have no idea why. But I would say this, what gets really powerful is being able to collect information and where AI goes, right? So, you know, if you think about your business, if you upfront with your skill, right, tell people, hey, I'm gonna be recording your answers to help you in the future, which no matter how much people are scared about privacy, they'll do in certain, certain things you're more private about than others. So if the way the skill gets really crazy is the collective AI and, and brain power of it over time. So you have, you know, hopefully hundreds, then thousands, then tens of thousands of people inputting information it itself gets smarter and starts giving better advice because it sees pattern recognition of people answering the same way based on what the, whatever the fuck you're, you know? Right. And so I, I think what your ambition is is to build the most seamless skill for me to talk to it in natural language and guide me through whatever you're trying to guide me through to fix or prevent my injuries. So let me give you an example. Please. Your head weighs on average 13 pounds. So if you draw it back over your shoulders where your ear is in alignment with your shoulders, yeah. you've taken off that pressure. If you just bring your yeah, head Yeah, but then how do I look at my phone? That's right. That's right. I, I did the angle on you. Yes. You're f at 45 degrees. That's 50 pounds of pressure on your neck and shoulders, on those muscles and joints. If you would just bring that head back over your ear and shoulder, you would take that pressure off and you wouldn't age those joints as fast and that takes you moments. And if you change, you will change for so many people in the world. That's the kind of information I wanna give people. So, so on that note, for me, first of all, that's very exciting news, doctor. I'm so excited and I'm excited for you. I know myself super well, so I think I'm gonna hire somebody to follow me around 24 yes. hours a day and Good. just make sure that my head-shoulder ratio is perfect. There's, there's a really easy trick, because what happens, what you do is you bring your, yep. you bring your phone down here, yep. if you would just bring your arms into you your know, body and draw your Jordan's phone up, not, you know what's it so brings funny? your head up. Doc, I wish Jordan was here right now, he's really been pushing me, he really, to his credit. I'm happy to talk to him. I'm, I'm happy to hook Joel you guys Castillo up. at Mac.com. I love it, I appreciate it, so listen, Here's what I would say, you've got a really great thing and we didn't touch on this and again, I'm trying to leave the details for the rest of the speakers. Briefings, a skill is AI, you navigate, you can talk back and forth. A briefing is a piece of information, everybody here can start their briefing very quickly. If you have 365 thoughts, you've got a briefing that can be there every day. What you just did was a more of a tip, a did you know, like, you know, 
your ability to create a briefing, which would cost you nothing in comparison to a skill where you need a developer, a briefing, recording it, uploading it, you having a tip of the day for prevention, that is absolutely something that you can get started on right away. And little tidbits like that, do you have 365 tidbits? Yes. Great, then you should start a briefing tomorrow. Okay. Awesome, thank you, Doc. Thank you. Next. And everybody needs to raise their head up. Oh God, she's so right. 50 fucking pounds. And I don't think my head's 13, I think my head's like 12. So I'm 46, go ahead. Hey Gary, um, first thanks for being our uh, CMO for free. Appreciate that. My pleasure. Nice to give back a little bit here. (laughs) Thanks. Um, So um, my son, when he was uh, in fourth grade, he had his self-confidence wrecked by a teacher who nicknamed him Tweedledum. Right. I want to fucking um, punch he, that teacher in the fucking yeah, face. I, yeah. My wife kind of got close. Can you give me the teacher's um, name? What's that? Being serious, like what the like fuck that teacher. Like I want to make a post and be like, this teacher's a piece of shit. Well, here's the here's the good part. Can his we do fifth that? Fifth grade teacher. Okay. His fifth grade teacher saved him, turned him around. Um, Love it. But in the same year that his fifth grade teacher became a good friend of mine, he lost his son that same year. The fifth grade teacher. Yeah. So he was digging deep in the same year. I don't know how he did it. So now, this is a few years later, um, he, uh, he's obviously still hurting in a big way. Now, this guy, he has it in him to be an amazing, unbelievable, off-the-charts podcaster, okay? He has, so, he has the love that he's got and the ability to communicate it. I saw him do it with my son. I've seen him do it with other kids. Um, I'm trying to convince him, but to I don't do want to push. Yeah, you know, because I'm afraid to... If Where I do you live? To, uh, North Carolina. Do you think you can get him up into my office for 30 minutes? Yeah, probably, yeah. Let's do it. Okay. All right. I'll convince him. All right. All right, thank you. You know, I think, you know, hopefully that happens, and please email me, Gary at VaynerMedia, say I'm the guy with the teacher and the podcast. We'll set that up if you can do it. If he doesn't want to do that or box at that or you can't get it done, you know, this is kind of how, and I've got to wrap up, and thank you for being here, everyone, one last time. This is how I think about it. And I think you're seeing it through my actions right now in my content. And it's no different than convincing. The way you get it done is by never giving up telling him he should do it. Right? Literally the second before I got on stage here, you can go to my Instagram right now. Actually, that'll be fun. I'm not even gonna say what it is. Go to my Instagram right now and see what my latest post is. It's exactly what I think you need to do with this teacher because it's the only move we've got. Cool? Cool. Thank, Thank you, you, everyone. Have a- Guys, thanks so much for listening to the audio experience. It would mean the world, and I mean the world, if you could go and leave a rating on iTunes. Your word of mouth is my oxygen.